0: Like so many others, who you are is largely a result of your past. We have so many positive and not so positive experiences that we start to doubt ourselves and our place in this world. Let the healing process start now. Welcome to Shift Happens with Karen Weary. When you start to focus on healing from the inside out, you'll learn so much more about your own health, your well-being, and your state of mind. Once you've started on that, the rest gets a little bit easier every day. Now, here is your host, Karen Weary.
1: Are you ready to shift some things around? I know that I am. I am curious. I was born curious. I always want to know more, learn more, see what else is out there. What can we do to create a world that we want to live in, that feels good to live in? how can we be more to create that safe place for others to be to and do and be who they are connection truly is the name of the game speaking of connection i do want to do a shout out to all of my amazing listeners in ireland you guys have been with me from the very beginning and i want to thank you for your loyalty in fact, I was talking to my executive producer, Robert Ciolino, about this last week, and he said, when we get to 20,000 listeners in Ireland, we're going to go to Ireland and have a little party with you guys. So when you just keep on listening and uh, sharing, pay it forward, when you hear something that really helps you or inspires you, you know, just think that it might do the same for someone that you know. I can't wait to see you in Ireland. So, yesterday, I was listening to a podcast about happiness on a show called Art of Charm. Connection is truly where happiness comes from. We sometimes tend to think that it might come from money or the next shiny thing that we can buy or being a certain way, and we're always chasing that thing. However, that's not really what it's all about when we've done uh, research. And it's also not about quantity. It's about quality of connections. So it's not about how many friends we have. uh, It's about how deep and how close are those relationships. And that is what determines how happy you are. So what happens when you are born with a brain that's not necessarily wired for connecting with neurotypicals, such as people who are on the spectrum of autism? Today, I have the honor of having Dylan Volk, author of Bad Choices Make Good Stories, My Life with Autism, where he shares openly about the struggles that he's had figuring out how to function in a world of what he calls neurotypicals. So, Dylan Volk, thank you so much for being on here and um, being willing to share your information. I know you have a mission with this, you know, why you're sharing your story. Do you want to share a little bit about that?
2: <clears throat> well, uh, lots of different things. I would just like to share with people my unique perspectives on the world. And I like making people rethink things, especially uh, cliches that have been repeated by many other people throughout society and that people never really give much of a thought to. Um, lots of, lots of those you'll find in my, uh, in my book here, I've got it right here. I'll flash it for the camera. Oops. There we go. Bad choices make good stories. So you'll find lots of, lots of cliches that I destroy in the book, such as, uh, there's no such thing as normal. A lot of people like to say that we're all weird in our own way. And like, everybody is a little bit weird. And I say that that's not true. I say that there actually is a such thing as normal because I not I'm not it. So I know that there actually is a such thing as because I've been um, so abnormal my whole life.
1: Yeah. And, and that's exactly what I want, what my mission is and vision is with this show here is to introduce, there are so many other ways of seeing things. And just like you were saying, these these myths, these realities that we have all been inundated with, and we just believe, you know, I, I think it's important to take a look at these things and see, is is that really true? So, so well, normal, there's a spectrum of that, but then there's a spectrum outside of that. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 So, so what would you say are some of your biggest challenges, Dylan? Mm.
2: Um, I would say, um, you know, making friends is still a challenge. Keeping friends, keeping relationships, Mm -hmm. um, often with my, in my case in particular, which is not necessarily true for all people with autism, but me in particular is, uh, the way that I often communicate comes off very argumentative and like I'm arguing hmm. so that that can be very polarizing to people. And I've had, I've spent 27 years trying to rein that back and trying to moderate that. Um, it's just, uh, but the thing is with, Autism, it's like, uh, it's really like a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get because everybody with autism is completely different. So there's, there's certain characteristics that are consistent with people with autism. However, it can be drastically different from one person to the other. So if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism.
1: Yeah. Okay, I really like that point because uh, we tend to like to compartmentalize things like, okay, so this is what, you know, autism looks like and this is what we need to do with when we meet somebody on that spectrum. So that's an excellent point because, um, you know, we have to really tune into each individual and find out who they are. And, and yeah, go ahead.
2: I really like to compartmentalize things too um yeah. so I wish that i it was something I could categorize because uh, because I'm not a person who who likes to not be able to categorize things i'm I'm definitely guilty of what you just
1: said <laughs> well, it does make <laughs> life so much easier, but that's the thing yeah. about the journey of life is all these shades of gray. So, you know, we really all are fumbling around trying to fin- figure things out. they are just some that have built in more challenges than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And communicating, we were just having our own little chat right before the show started about how, one of the things that you talk about in the book is how, and you just mentioned it now, you know, when, when you express yourself in that, you don't understand when things aren't being spoken clearly, it's either yes or no, do this or do that. Don't do that, do this. And we tend to, you know, sometimes tiptoe around the bush and, and speak very vaguely. And um, Mm -hmm. it's, it makes it very challenging. And that's definitely been one of the repeat things because one of the things you also uh, mention in the book is how difficult it's been for you to keep a job. And and it's many times, my impression from reading the book, has been the people in charge not saying, do this or do that. It's, well, what do you think? <laughs> do you think the popped?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I'll give you that example for the audience. I had a job when I was living in Utah, which is one of the many states I've lived in. Um, And uh, I was working as a driver at a pizza place. And after work, the drivers stay and help clean up the kitchen. And so I accidentally spilled mop water all over the kitchen floor. And the assistant manager, who was like 19, (laughs) <laughs> he told me just to try to get it up with a dry mop. And uh, and I, so I tried to do that, but it was a lot of water and a small kitchen oh, and it was like multiple layers of water. It was like a flood. And uh, I kept trying to get it up with the dry, with the dry mop and the mops were all wet and the floor was still wet and nothing was dry. And so I, but I don't know if I, I didn't know if that was like good enough because it was like the best I could get it. And so I asked him like, all right, is this good enough? Cause I don't know what else to do. Yeah. And he was like, if you think that looks good, we can take off. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I kept going for a little longer. I had enough sense to think that maybe that's, that's not the best sign. So I kept going a little longer and then I asked him again and he gives me the same answer. He says, I mean, yeah, man, if you think that looks good, we'll take off. Yeah. It's like, no, you tell me a freaking yes or no. It's not complicated. Like, it's a mm-hmm. binary thing because you're in charge of me, okay? Like, mm-hmm. I, this is not my call here. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. I got fired for that because I was supposed to read between the lines.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and, and so there there are a number of your stories that just seem like, well oh, that doesn't sound fair at all, but then, of course, life isn't mm. fair, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it, it's interesting that it was a 19-year-old who was in charge because, I mean, he's practically a kid himself, so.
2: Yeah, I was 22 at the time, so yeah, we, neither yeah. of us knew what to do. <laughs> and it but it's like interesting it was- that I'm the one who gets fired for it because he had been there longer. And this is a trick that this is a dirty trick that I've seen in many, many workplaces where whoever has been there the longest Mm. gets believed. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Yes. And whoever the new guy is doesn't get believed.
1: Right. Well, and there's definitely politics that happen in uh, in workplaces where you know if you know how to get in with the person who's in charge, then you know then you mm. have a better chance of being believed, and you might be able to get some other things. You know, do things that you otherwise. Oh wouldn't.
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah.
1: A lot of politics, and those those can be very stressful. And that's where it's nice to be your own boss.
2: Yeah. <laughs> But that's the thing. I don't, I really don't like being my own boss Mm -hmm. and I wish, I wish I did, but that is another thing I talk about. You might remember in the book, I talk about how neurotypical people have this, tend to have this attitude of, of like, they don't like being bossed around. I don't want to be told what to do. And like, they like, that's why they have all these commercials aimed at neurotypical people who are most people and it's aimed at them. And they say, well, don't you want to be your own boss? (laughs) Make your own hours and I'm like no I hate that I hate that I want someone to tell me what to do yeah because I because it takes away the burden of me having to organize the whole world and prioritize every everything falls on my back I don't like that at all I like working with other people I like being a part of something yeah but that's very it's a catch-22 because um because the very thing that I crave is the very thing that I beca- also, because of my disability, the same reason that I crave that is the same reason I can't keep that. And mm-hmm. so when I see neurotypical people keeping jobs for just like a year, two years at a time, and then complaining about them, you know what it's like? It's like a kid in an orphanage seeing a kid complain about his parents. Right.
1: Yeah, that's a <laughs> really good comparison. Uh-
2: right. Right. Yeah. It's like I wish I I wish I had a family and I wish I had parents. Shut up, you know. Yeah. I'm in an I'm in an orphanage,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's you know the piece where we often forget how good we've got it. We take start taking things for granted in our lives that um and and this is that's the part that's really frustrating when you have you know, things and when other people have things that you would like and they're not appreciative of it. it
2: yeah. Um, yeah. But it happens. It's, it happens. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that same thing. I'm, I'm not to say that I'm the most appreciative, grateful person in the world by no means (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) and this would be a perfect point for us to go to break to think about what kinds of things how can we keep being grateful for the things that we do have no matter what else is going on in our lives uh, so that we can keep that at the forefront of our mind and when we come back we're going to talk more about the challenges of living life on the spectrum
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Insight's Dramatic Weight Loss Coaching Program is a transformational program healing you from the inside out so you can finally achieve your healthy weight for good by resolving the underlying reason why you've been holding on to the weight. The program features nine transformational individual sessions. You'll rebuild gut health and reduce inflammation. It's not a diet. Instead, you'll learn how to make peace with food and develop clean eating as a lifestyle. Visit InsightsCounselingCenter.com to find out more.
1: Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health,
3: Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel.
0: Your life, your health, your
2: network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: Listening to Shift Happens with Karen Weary. Do you have a question or comment about today's program? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Call in to the live show at 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Or send an email to Karin W at com. Remember that Karen is spelled K A R I N. Now, Back to shift happens.
1: Thank you for being back. We were ending the last segment on gratitude and how uh, we so often take things that we have for granted. And yet, especially we were talking about jobs and how it's really difficult for Dylan Volk, who's my guest today. He wrote the book, Bad Choices Make Good Stories, My Life with Autism. He is um, has Asperger's, and which is on the high functioning end of the autism spectrum. And we're talking about about what the challenges are, and in the book, Dylan, you wrote about some of your highs and lows, and how you know the highs are are high, and the lows can get really low. And at one point in your life, you were actually dealing with some suicidal thoughts. It got really deep and dark for you. You want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, The first time I
2: thought about suicide, first of all, my book is Bad Choices Make Good Stories. I'm just going to show it to the camera. And you can go on Amazon or badchoicesmakegoodstories.com. And then I keep more of the money. So that way is the preferred way. But uh, anyway, uh, the first time I thought about suicide was when I was in fourth grade. Uh, I was arguing with my teachers. I was getting sent out into the hallway I was being disciplined and I didn't really understand why I was having so much trouble getting along with people and I thought I I just looked at my life and I thought I don't have I don't really have any friends um I'm not getting along with my family and I'm not getting along with my teachers Hmm. and then I started thinking about like well hmm maybe I could just kill myself maybe I just don't want to live this life Mm. And, uh, something that my mom said to me when I was a kid, when I was uh, often, well, I, I brought, I brought up the suicide thing and then I realized the power that it had, because (laughs) what bringing up suicide does is it conveys how upset you are in a way that no other words really can, because Mm -hmm. as soon as you bring up, people don't really believe how upset you are. You can say, Oh, I'm so upset. I'm devastated. I'm, I'm in despair, whatever. And it's not the same as 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 soon as you bring up thinking about killing yourself, people Mm. just oh, wow, he's Mm. really upset. (laughs) And that's when they take notice. And so I saw the power that it's had rhetorically. Mm. And so um, but something that my mom said to me when I was an adolescent, she said I said something about like, don't come looking for me because I'm going to be gone. I'll be in heaven. And then she was like, if you kill yourself, you're going to go to hell. And so I, from that moment on, I thought, well, even if I don't believe in hell, there's certainly a chance, isn't there? I mean, is there a one? If there's a one percent chance that hell exists, that's enough reason to not kill yourself because this world, you as were- bad as it is, it's yeah. not going to be as bad as hell. And so, and the only reason um, you could really reach a different conclusion is you would have to throw logic just out the window yeah i mean you would have to disregard logic in order to get around that argument because Mm -hmm. if millions of people uh how many millions of people believe in in an afterlife where you could get punished there there's at least a one percent chance that it's real right Right. at least one percent so the only way you could say that it's that it's worth it to kill yourself is you would just have to throw logic out the window. And so that to me is an example of the way neurotypical people think, which is that they don't purely think with logic. Whereas I tend to, to rely hardly on, on logic. And I have a hard time looking away from the logic like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, and that's a really good comparison because um, neurotypicals are emotional people and that's that's the piece that we struggle with many times is that the emotions tug at us and then we react rather than responding you know and and so we have to work on reining in the emotions so that we can get the logic in and, and, and yeah. yes yes and it's
2: not to say that I'm not an emotional person too though but like sure. I get I get emotional over logic, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Especially music, right? That's your thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get into music on a whole other level than the rest of us do. Like analyze. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. My thing has always been pop music. So like top 40 music. And uh, I'm very into the billboard charts and all that stuff. And following the music industry and trends and the radio and stuff like that. And what's, what's popular, what's hot and what's not. So, uh, and I realized very early on that that is something that neurotypical people, uh, hate discussing for whatever reason. I'm not, I'm not sure why, because I've seen them. I've seen neurotypical people get into impassioned conversations about different types of soil Growing potatoes oh. in the ground, but yeah. as soon as I bring up pop music, which is literally means pop popular music, uh-huh. yeah, that's not something that's up for discussion.
1: <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, maybe it was football or baseball because those people get right. totally into every little detail. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you there, Dylan. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So. So when your mom was able to bring in that point that you're going to go to hell, if you commit suicide, that, mm. that did it for you. And then you didn't use that anymore for, you know, to,
2: yeah, but well, no, I still used it rhetorically. Okay. Lots, okay. Uh, I still use it a lot and I still think about it too. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Uh, and the other reason is because it would obviously be very selfish of me. It would hurt a lot of people. It wouldn't just hurt me. It would also devastate and ruin the lives of people who love me. So, uh, so for that reason, it would be very selfish too. But, um, you know, I do often feel like this world is just so dark and I don't really want to be here. I feel oftentimes like I'm stuck at a house party where I don't like any of the people there. And it's like a really sketchy house and I just want to leave this party. And I'm being told, oh, no, you can't leave. You have to stay at this party. And I'm like, but I don't like any of the people at this party. I don't like this party.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Can I just go find another party? <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to be anywhere. I would just
2: rather not exist, honestly. Yeah. But it's like, well, I got brought into this world non-consensually. Mm. So how come I don't get a say in whether I stay here? This yeah. is just, a, this is just a, a food for thought, you yeah. know? Absolutely, but but we always assume that people, when they're talking about suicide, we 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 don't ever grant them that 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 that's a choice. We always mm-hmm. deny them that choice. So right. why? Wh- I just theoretically, philosophically speaking, mm-hmm. how come I don't? I don't. I didn't get a say in whether I came into this world. That was right. non-consensual, involuntary. So why do I not get a say in whether I stay here?
1: Yeah. That's a good point, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there—that's a whole end of life also uh, conversation and, and dilemma, you know, that has been with Dr. Kavorkian and you know terminal illness and and that piece, you know. Yeah, is- yeah. Yeah, it's a different aspect than you know suicide when you don't have a terminal illness, but there's something going on, and there definitely it's um, a lot of people who are suffering with not feeling like they are a part of anything, and that's that piece with the connection, and that was the probably one of the biggest pieces that I got from your book is that wanting to be connected. And, and have that wanting to have a long term girlfriend, wanting to have a long term job, you know, that everybody else seems to be able to have, and how mm-hmm. incredibly frustrating and depressing that must be to just just keep banging your head against the wall and not making progress. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Do you have a specific question about that or
1: well, as you, because in the beginning of this, um, the first segment, you talked about how with your communication style, for example, and that you have been working very hard over 27 years to reel that in, and so that you can communicate with neurotypicals in a way that it doesn't, to us, sound confrontive, um, mm. and how would you <clears throat> say, I mean, because I could imagine that you've made progress, and you've, you've learned a lot, and where would you say that you are with that? Uh,
2: at this point, I don't think I make too many social mistakes that are beyond the scope as we talked about earlier. There's a, there's a spectrum of normal and there's a spectrum that goes beyond normal. Right. And everybody has weird things and everybody has their own weird quirks, but it all most people fall within the range of what society considers normal. Yeah. And then many me for a long time and people with autism fall outside that range. But at this point, I think I've honed my social skills so that any mistakes I make on a scale of 1 to 10, I used to make social mistakes that were uh, 8 and 9 and 10. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, the mistakes I make are like a 1, 2, and 3. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and neurotypical and neurotypical people make those make mistakes that are usually within one, two and three.
1: Yeah.
2: So, and so I don't, I don't really think that I'm, that I make mistakes. I still make some mistakes, but they're very minor and I can often, I can always catch them very quickly Yeah. And, and make sure that they don't turn more. And so, um, you know, a big part of, uh, of the struggle of keeping friends is just, uh, I think, uh, I have think that I I experience a similar struggle that most certainly neurotypical guys experience, um, which is that just like, especially living in Southern California, uh, it's hard to just keep a relationship. And, uh, but the thing is, um, maybe it's harder for me because I've, it's been hard for 27 years and, and it often feels like uh, no matter how many social skills I learn, no matter how much I better my social picking up on social cues, it mm. often feels like it's, it's never enough. It feels mm. like it's never good enough.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredibly frustrating uh, when you feel that never being good enough. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: when you make a new friend and then the next week you ask them, what, how was their weekend or what are you doing this weekend? And they ignore you. Yeah, And then you've got five other friends who aren't texting you back either. So yeah. the whole idea of like, well, then just somebody's ignoring you. Just screw them. It's like, well, no, because everyone else is doing the same thing. So I don't get to just say, well, screw them. Because the next guy is probably going to do the same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, So we are going to... <laughs> ahead and um, have another break when we come back we're going to talk more about some of the experiences dylan shares in his book bad choices make good stories my life with autism
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Insight's Dramatic Weight Loss Coaching Program is a transformational program healing you from the inside out so you can finally achieve your healthy weight for good by resolving the underlying reason why you've been holding on to the weight. The program features nine transformational individual sessions. You'll rebuild gut health and reduce inflammation. It's not a diet. Instead, you'll learn how to make peace with food and develop clean eating as a lifestyle. Visit InsightsCounselingCenter.com to find out more. Tune in to the Wellness Connection for the latest and most comprehensive information about health and wellness topics. From natural health and green living to regulation, political views, and legislation. Each week, hosts Peter McCarthy and Radia Gleese interview renowned experts who will answer questions and provide the keys to your better health and better life. Listen for the Wellness Connection live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness
1: Channel. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel.
2: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Listening to Shift Happens with Karin Weary. Do you have a question or comment about today's program? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Call in to the live show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to W at insightscounselingcenter.com. Remember that Karin is spelled K-A-R-I-N. Now, back to Shift Happens.
1: And we are back making some shifts in perspective and perceptions. And when we were finishing off the last segment with Dylan Volk, who is the author of Bad Choices Make Good Stories, My Life with Autism we were talking about how incredibly frustrating it is uh, that despite getting to a place where now, where he used to make social faux pas that were on a scale from eight to 10, and now he's down to making them at one to three, which is where most of us are. And yet, it's still, it seems to be impossible to keep friends, you know, friends blowing you off and you know dating is the, the same kind of challenge and we were just talking about how uh, there are just so many people out there who don't do what they say that they're going to do they'll say they'll do something and then they don't follow up and they just kind of blow you off and um and it, it's very frustrating
2: right yeah. <clears throat> yeah it's hard being someone who i, I I actually do say what I mean. and mean what I say. And if I say something, even if I don't feel like doing that thing, I specifically go out of my way to make sure that I do what I said I was going to do for the virtue purely of doing what I said I was going to do because I honor my word. Yeah. And, but it's, that is, I mean, outside of a professional, outside of a professional situation, Mm. which is a place, you know, again, because I am not able to keep a job. So I don't really get to utilize, I don't get to benefit from that because that is a, that is something that will benefit you in the professional world, being a person who honors your word. But outside of the professional world, that is, um, that is a very futile, very kind of, uh, pointless virtue to have because the rest of the world is not like that. And it's much better it's better if you're flaky, if you're the flakiest person, because then other people try, they, they have, they feel like it's a challenge and people like a challenge and then they seek, they, you get sought after rather than being someone who, if I say, I'm going to reach out to you this weekend, or I say, I'll let you know what I'm doing tomorrow. You yeah. know, I, I actually intend on doing that for the sole purpose of just because I said I was going to do it, yeah. but, that doesn't get, but that doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't get you anywhere
1: well I don't know I would beg to differ on that one it does it just you have to find the people who also reflect that Dylan I just need to go ahead and plug in my computer I'm sorry okay. this would be a perfect point for us to go to break Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
0: Insight's Dramatic Weight Loss Coaching Program is a transformational program healing you from the inside out so you can finally achieve your healthy weight for good by resolving the underlying reason why you've been holding on to the weight. The program features nine transformational individual sessions. You'll rebuild gut health and reduce inflammation. It's not a diet. Instead, you'll learn how to make peace with food and develop clean eating as a lifestyle. Visit InsightsCounselingCenter.com to find out more.
3: Everything is energy. It's all connected. Your energy can be seen as the foundation for your life and impacts all areas of living. Do you realize that your thoughts have the power to affect How you show up? Tune in for Healthy Energy with Margo, featuring host Margo Nielsen. Margo and her guests will show you that connecting to your energy is vital to your health, relationships, money, and more. Listen live every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network.
2: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: are listening to Shift Happens with Karen Weary. Do you have a question or comment about today's program? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Call in to the live show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to W at InsightsCounselingCenter.com. Remember that Karin is spelled K-A-R-I-N. Now, back to Shift Happens.
1: And we are back. Thank you for hanging in there. I just had a major faux pas. We were talking about on the scale from 0 to 10, that was about a 10. I forgot to plug in my computer, and the (laughs) battery died. So I have Dylan Volk, who is been so incredibly patient waiting for me to get back online and he is the author of bad choices make good stories my life with autism and we were talking about something that was really um, a really a big piece of you know keeping your word and I'm not sure if that is kind of part of a new culture that we have new ish culture that we have going on where people don't really honor, you know, what's going on. And, and I don't know if part of it is maybe because we are becoming more and more online and not ha- having less in-person um, connections that because we, the more we are online and, and doing things that aren't face-to-face, I think we have less responsibility, feel less responsibility for the person that we're connecting with. So um, I don't know. What do you think, Dylan, about that?
2: Uh, I don't know, because my uh, my life, uh, you know, I grew up in the 2000s, so yeah. I don't really know how it was like before. Of course.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when, when we theorize and about how things are, I don't know. Like with your parents, like do they ever talk about, you know, how it was when they were growing up and, and you know, with regards to people maybe showing up more and doing what they say that they were going to do and... Um,
2: yeah, no, I think it's probably been more or less the same. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think it definitely depends. Um, it, it, it's certainly geographically related, you know, it depends if, if you're in a smaller town in middle America, it's going to have more of a high trust feel versus a large city where mm. everybody's just running around fast paced and high pressure. It's, it's a lot harder to keep a relationship.
1: Yeah. And I think that right there, because you have had a lot of geographical changes and, you know, how mm-hmm. you noted that. And, and so, again, when we are closer, when we're closer knit, then there's more, we feel more responsible for the other person rather than, oh, yeah, there's a million other people out there who cares. Yeah. <laughs> just
2: yeah. Out the
1: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> By the way, I'm just going to show the audience. This is my book. Bad choices make good stories, and you can go to badchoicesmakegoodstories.com. dot com. That's yeah. where you'll find me.
1: There you go. Yeah, I highly recommend reading the book. It's uh, Dylan writes very you know openly and honestly and authentic about his experiences and the challenges of living with Asperger's and and. Uh,
2: yeah, and it's also the first book with emojis. I forgot to mention that. Ah.
1: It, um, yeah, I like
2: that. Yeah, yeah. It's got yeah, emojis yeah. throughout the whole book.
1: Yes, I like that part. I like emojis. <laughs> I'm <a> fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just kind of really punctuate with, with the, uh, whatever the emotion is that's going on, you know? Or if you're mm-hmm. just kind of winking and making a little joke or, you know, excited, yeah. smiley face. Yes, uh, so there is a, um, a part of a video where you shared uh, about the job that you had as a camp counselor at a camp for kids with disabilities and how you were treated there. It, I thought it was <clears throat> interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah. To say the least. Yeah, yeah. Um. Do you want me to go over the story? Yes. Yes. That was a good Okay, story. So uh, I got hired as a camp counselor for a camp with uh, people with uh, various disabilities. And uh, they saw my presentation where I do speaking presentations. Um, and if you Google my name, Dylan Bulk, you can see them. But uh, I talk about all the many jobs that I've lost and I have a whole section where I talk about how I'm very good at getting jobs, but not good at keeping jobs because people often underestimate my disability. And so I thought that uh, this camp was going to be for sure the job that was different because mm-hmm. they had hired they hired me after seeing a presentation where I talk openly about all the times I've been fired. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I felt it was kind of weird, but it was like it was like if a girl saw me doing a presentation about my dating experience and now I'm on a date with her, that's yep. what it felt like. Yeah. And so I, um, I went into this really optimistic and, uh, then there was some issues that started happening where they basically had an orientation training week and, uh, the training week was the, the counselors go to camp for a week and they had all these kind of random games. And it was this style of like very, very, it reminded me of Ella, of like school, of like grade school, where they say things like, all right, everybody pick a partner, everybody partner up. And they just assume basically that, that you are, have the ability to fit in. They, they kind of do a lot of things assuming that you're fitting in and not thinking about the people that might not be fitting in. Yeah. Like, uh, like just random, they had, they would have impromptu dance parties. They mm-hmm. would just shut off the lights and be like, "Everybody dance!" and they would put the music on. It's like, well, that, that's great for, I guess, neurotypical people and people who can just fit in effortlessly and have people uh, a click that they're already with. Well, what do you do if you're on the fringes, if you're struggling to fit in, if you're not being included, yeah. if you're not being included, that stuff is highly, highly awkward. Yes. And and I just was surprised that a camp for people with mental disabilities was was doing all these things that are extremely awkward for people who have a hard time socially. And so uh, I I went to them and I asked if they could go around and tell everybody about my disability. And because I've learned that at the workplace, it's okay if you're treated like special as long as you can keep the job. Mm -hmm. which is uh, is not how I definitely not how I felt in grade school. I didn't, I wanted to be just blend in and be treated as normal, but I've learned as an adult, I've learned that you kind of uh, it's okay to, if you're, if people treat you like you're special, oftentimes that's more of like a VIP treatment. Yeah. So I was, I was totally down for everybody to know about my disability. And also it can be a great guilt tripping mechanism, you know, (laughs) and, and, you know, in my mind the right thing to do because I'm a fun person to hang out with. I am not boring. Mm -hmm. I'm not, and I'm a, I'm a good friend. I'm a good listener. And so in my mind, it's the right thing to do for me to be included in social situations. So I don't really care whatever means to an end. If, if I need to guilt you into doing it, if, Somebody needs to threaten you into doing it. I just want it to happen because I think it's the right thing to do. So anyway, I was, I told HR, go around, please tell everybody all my dirt. And they said that they didn't want to do that, but they reluctantly to their credit, they agreed to do it. And so they went around and they, they told everybody while I was, they had me like go on break. And then they went around and they had like a special talk with, with everybody about, about my disability. I was like, yes, this is happening. And then the next day, guess what? It worked like a charm. It worked. I come in the cafeteria and instead of struggling to try and break into conversations that I wasn't really being a part of, instead of people being polite to me, you know, but only polite, just giving me the bare minimum. Uh, people started genuinely including me in conversations and I could tell the difference. I I can, you can always tell the difference between being genuinely included and not being genuinely included. And uh, however, the next day I ended up getting fired for something (laughs) totally out of left field.
1: Right.
2: I got fired the next day for something so unrelated and so unexpected. I had my medications on my on my nightstand in, next to my bed and they had said in the midst of an orientation seminar which was prefaced by the nurse the nurse gave this health seminar or whatever about about like the nurse stuff and she prefaced it by saying all right i'm sorry you guys this is going to bore you but i just have to tell you legally so bear with me here this is going to be really boring like just bear with me, just bear with me here. This is gonna be so boring. And so, and so I thought, okay, so so this is stuff I don't really need to pay attention to. This is like legal jargon. This is like yeah. this is like uh, you know a formality. And because that's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> but but in the midst, but in the midst of that formality was apparently some important information that I was supposed to be paying attention to, which was that you have to disclose all your medications to the nurse's office. And if you don't, that's a big deal. And the guy and somebody had said, and, and somebody, and, and when they fired me, their defense was they had warned me. And it's like, well, they had warned me, not just with that seminar. Someone also had warned me in a sense, my head counselor told me, Hey dude, you should probably bring those meds to those meds to the nurse's office. I think they want you to have them there. Yeah, you should probably. Yeah, and he <laughs> you said you should, you should probably you should probably bring those meds to the nurse's office. And yeah. so I was like, "Okay, I'll, you know, I'll do it if I get around to it because it didn't sound What he should have said was, "If you don't bring those meds to the nurse's office right now, right, you'll get fired tomorrow morning." Yeah. Because that's what direct communication looks like.
1: <laughs> exactly. exactly, and you know, this is the piece. This is a huge piece that I think we all can fare so much better with everybody if we are just we, we learn how to be more clear and distinct. You know, forget mm-hmm. the shit of what it couldas and all, but straightforward. It just makes life so much easier.
2: Yeah, and it's not as hard as you think it's going to be. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, I also talk about when I was, uh, this, this book, it's really got all the classic story tropes. It has drugs, it has jobs, it has girls, it has weight loss. And so in the weight loss chapters, um, cause I, I got fat for a while and, and then I lost a lot of weight and, uh, there were a couple, there were. Um, it's shocking to me that I was able to get any girls at this time in my life. I don't know how I did it, but, but there were a couple girls that rejected me and they actually told me that it was because I was too fat. Mm -hmm. And so that was an alarm bell for me. And that was really what I needed. And that was who I, and that was who I needed to hear it from. Right. And, Um, and I thought that that was very brave of them. So now, and, and so I, I try and pay it forward. So if I've ever not been interested in a girl because of her weight, I, I don't want to say something, but I remember the courage of those few girls who told me that I was too fat and I pay it, I pay it forward.
1: Yeah. And a lot of it also has to do with how you say it, you know, rather than saying, Oh, you're fat and ugly or whatever. It's like, you know, I'm just not attracted, you know, you can say it in a way that, is not eh.
2: I guess yeah but as long as you get the real message out like uh, like one of them just said "Uh, sorry I'm into thinner guys
1: yeah (laughs) and there
2: you go and you know what (laughs) but that actually got me to lose weight so if I've ever not been interested in a girl because of her weight I pay it forward and hey maybe there's a girl out there who lost a bunch of weight because of what I said
1: and you lost 80 pounds right I lost 80 pounds, yeah, yeah over the yeah. course of eight months. That's incredible. That's incredible. That was some serious motivation you had going on there.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, yeah, once you start going and then you realize, you, re- oh, I didn't even know how fat I was until it's taking so long to kick the pounds off. And yeah. the more weight you lose, the more you realize how fat you were.
1: <laughs> yeah. And how good you feel now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. You know, and so uh, real quick, there was one point that you made uh, about in, in elementary school and how, or middle school, that you know, the one piece that would make the biggest difference, rather than having the social skills groups run by you know the counselors and this that and the other, would be to have the popular kids go sit with the unpopular kids, and and uh, and I, I yeah. the truth there's actually I don't know if you've heard it. I can't remember what they called the the this movement, but these kids who are actually doing that you know don't don't eat lunch alone or whatever it is and they go around and sit with the kids and they see a kid that's by themselves they go and introduce themselves and sit with them and you know wow. it's, yeah it's huge so you are on to something and it's a movement <laughs> so there you go oh <laughs> awesome Yeah. Well, Dylan, thank you so much for being on here. And I apologize for the technical issues I had. (laughs) Oh, it's (laughs) Um, all good. Yeah. Next week, we are going to have Laura Miller and Bobby Foster, who are talking about cystic fibrosis. And um, so I am looking forward to seeing them and go to what's your website, Dylan? Badchoicesmakegoodstories.com. All right. Go
2: get that book. And you can follow me on my social media, real quick. I'm Real Dylan everywhere. So it's D I E L A W N. That's my stage name. On go. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, take your pick. Real Dylan. D I E L A W N.
1: Awesome. All right. Thank you, Dylan. So go out there and shine your beautiful inner light wherever you go because we need you out there. All right.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Shift Happens. Please join host Karin Weary for another edition of our program next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We wish you continued success as you discover the true you.